You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall at Wisconsin 65-60 to in a game where Indiana certainly outplayed expectations, as most people felt like this would be a, a pretty dominant Wisconsin performance, as most of these games at the Kohl Center have gone, where Indiana hasn't won since 1998. But these Hoosiers wouldn't stop fighting and they gave themselves a chance to win in the end they made it a 40 minute game um, which is again better than what we expected but not good enough and we will uh, break that down for you here on this episode of the assembly call iu post game show i am jared morris your host for today i will be joined by andy bottoms and ryan phillips as we walk you through this entire afternoon from the Cole center and we will start as we always do with our who's your proud banner moment and the who's your proud banner moment for me happened uh, actually early in the second half. Uh, what was really interesting about this game is how similarly the first halves and the second halves tracked uh, with Wisconsin, you know, kind of jumping out uh, early in both halves. And actually early in both halves, they had 6-0 runs that were broken up by Josh Newkirk, who once again had another really strong offensive day for Indiana and really in a lot of ways continued his James Blackman Jr. impression uh, that he started in the Penn State game as Josh had 22 points. He was 7 of 15 from the field, 4 of 6 from downtown. Uh, and while he did have five turnovers, you know, was really necessary for Indiana to have a consistent offensive threat and his constant attacking in the second half uh, really helped for Indiana to set an aggressive tone. And so I thought what he did in the second half when Wisconsin, you know, they kind of came out and they were the aggressors early in the second half and Indiana was struggling offensively and Wisconsin actually got up about 35, 29. They may have actually gotten up by eight at one point. Uh, but Josh Newkirk had a nice 5-0 run by himself. He made a three to break a 6-0 run by Wisconsin, then had a nice uh, drive to the bucket. That got Indiana back to within four, and then it really kind of stabilized things there for a while in the second half, and then Indiana and Wisconsin kind of went back and forth. Um, but it was indicative of the kind of day that Josh Newkirk had, where he was really Indiana's most consistent offensive player. Uh, Josh Newkirk scored as many points as Robert Johnson and Thomas Bryant had combined, and if you had said that coming into the game, I think a lot of Indiana fans would have thought that Wisconsin probably would blow Indiana out. Um, but, you know, Josh Newkirk did a nice job, uh, continued playing well, and his emergence as an offensive threat, especially with the absence of James Blackman Jr., has been a really important development for Indiana over these last 95 minutes of basketball. And if he can continue playing like this, especially if James Blackman Jr. can get back and Indiana can kind of have a three-headed monster at guard where everybody is an offensive threat, then that will certainly help the Hoosiers down the stretch. And I think the biggest positive that you can take from an effort like today, despite losing, uh, is that Indiana really came to play defended, you know, as well as we've seen them defend all season long. And that suggests that this team uh, can still have some good moments and possibly pick up uh, some more wins, enough wins that it will need down the stretch with a tough schedule to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. All right. Well, today's banner moment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. And actually, I just got a new item in the mail. Connor sent it to me uh, this weekend. It's a zip-up uh, hoodie with the assembly call logo on it. It looks really, really sharp. Um, I'm not sure if he has it at HoosierProud.com yet, but it'll be up there soon. Uh, and I'll be emailing everybody who's on our email list uh, with that item because it looks really, really nice. Um, and if you go to HoosierProud.com and use the promo code assembly, you will receive 15% off your entire order. That's promo code assembly to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. 
All right, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We go over to Andy Bottoms first for his Bottoms line, brought to us by Bracketology.fm. This was a weird game for me. I came in with pretty low expectations, as I'm sure a lot of people did, and yet I sit here after the game thinking about all the missed opportunities that were there and how they really could have won the game. So it's kind of a mixed bag uh, in some ways. You know, I agree with what you said. That the defense, I thought, played really well uh, and was really active at times, um, overly overly so, but really aggressive double teaming and uh, saw multiple times when you know defensive rotations look really crisp and, uh, and everything looks good. And, and so while it, it's still not perfect and there are some issues, I think there are some things to build on on that end of the floor, but... Um, yeah, you kind of look back and say, hey, you had a chance to, to steal one here um, and, and couldn't get it done. You make a foul and a made free throw. You turn the ball over 15 times. It turns into 16 points, uh, you know, a trend that we've really seen, not just with the turnovers, but the number of points that those have turned into, uh, you know, in, in, in recent weeks was a struggle. Robert Johnson shoots five for 15, and they're at a point now with the guys that are healthy. They, they're not going to be able to beat good teams if he shoots that way. Uh, and so, you know, tried to make up for it from an assist standpoint. He had six, um, which was more than the rest of the team combined. But, you know, they just need him to, uh, you know, consistently make shots, particularly from the outside. And so uh, it, it leaves me feeling, you know, kind of like a mixed bag. If, if going in, you had said I was going to lose by five, I would have been I would I would have thought that was a pretty good sign. And yet uh, maybe it's an even better sign that I'm a, a sign for the future, at least. And I'm kind of frustrated that they didn't find a way to uh, to win this game. Andy, what if I told you that all Indiana lineups that didn't include McSwain and McRoberts out there together outscored Wisconsin? Just, uh, just, well, th- just I, throwing that out there. I would know that. Yeah, I'm tr- I was trying to look to see how that played out. I guess none of them actually, they didn't play together at all in the second half. So that still held true. Yeah. So they got no, it was an 8 0 run in the first half. So Indiana yeah, outscored, outscored them by, by three. eight. And uh, yeah, everybody else is there. So yeah, kind of like, yeah, I mean, just lots of you can go back and at the point the game was, there's so many little, little things that you can nitpick that kind of seem. Uh, seemed maybe inconsequential at the time that now are, are a big difference in a game like this. Sorry, that was just my little quick rant there, but let's go over no, to the man. You're, who, you're right. You're spot on. <laughs> let's let's go over to the man who gets paid to rant, and that is Ryan and his rant, sponsored by, brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Ryan, take it away. Uh, you know, I, I have to do it this way because I've been told all week that I have to discuss this, but um, usually I I rail on the refs at the Cole Center, and so I'm going to hold true to that. Um, the foul disparity was not terribly large this time. It was 22 to 16. Of course, Indiana had more because it's the Cole Center. Uh, where, where the problem came was at the free throw line. Uh, Wisconsin shot 31 free throws and Indiana shot 12. Uh, and this wasn't a case of Indiana just hanging out on the perimeter. They were driving. They were trying to get inside. So I, I just felt like... It, of course, Wisconsin got the benefit of calls. And and quite frankly, the 23 free throws they made versus the 11 Indiana made. I mean, you could talk about that 8-0 run in the first half, but that's the difference in the game right there is Wisconsin just have more opportunities at the line. And I'll Wisconsin did and uh, it just seems to always happen at the Cole Center that way. I thought Indiana played a good game today. Um you know, it wasn't enough to win, and this probably makes Purdue, in my opinion, a must-win game. I, I think they really have to win that game now. But if you look down the box score, the only place that, that Indiana got outplayed uh, really by Wisconsin was the rebounding battle, and Wisconsin won 33-29, to and Wisconsin also had 12 offensive rebounds. So you want to look where Indiana lost the game. It was at the free-throw line and on the, on the glass, and you can't – do that on the road and expect to win the game. Um, Andy mentioned the points off turnovers. That was big too. Um, But, you know, 15 to 13 in the turnover battle, that's better than Indiana's been doing lately. So, uh, you know, it's a disappointing game. And I think you guys are both right that, that I think before the game and we said, they're going to keep it close and and have a chance to win late. You'll, you'll feel good about it. Uh, But after watching the game, you kind of feel like, Oh man, there were chances to, to beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Uh, The positive that I took away from this was the defense. I thought it was so far improved and, uh, you know, uh, it, this is something where, again, it's sort of like the Maryland game where they lost a close one on a road against a good team. You've got to take the positives and build from it. And they went on a bit of a run after they did that. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is something where they can build into Purdue and and maybe get their offensive weapon and James Blackman Jr. back. But there were just so many things today that, that didn't play out in Indiana's favor and that that led to the loss.
Here, Ryan, quick, let me wrap you up by the waist, toss you out of the way, and steal some airtime back like I'm Ethan Happ here real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know what it is about Wisconsin and the Kohl Center. I, it's it's hard for And we lost Ryan. All right, so we'll get him back. Look, I, I, I want to make one thing clear here, all right? There are reasons to be positive about this game, even though it's a loss, but it's worth noting that going into a game with expectations as low as we had today is unacceptable. You know, Indiana should never enter a game where, you know, I, I put up a tweet, a little poll uh, before the game started. What did most Indiana fans think? And most Indiana fans, the majority of people said Wisconsin would win by 13 plus points. And that's not right. That's not how it should be. Indiana should never enter a game with those kind of expectations. But the line was 14. I mean, that's just where we are with this season. And so given the context, you know, and given kind of what we've seen from this team over the last month or so and what's been expected, that's why you can take positives from this game, especially given the injuries and given just all of the particulars. So I, I want to make that clear. You know, it, it, yes, I, I understand all the big picture stuff that, you know, why where Indiana is right now in the season isn't acceptable, but we do a post game show and we're looking at it on a game by game basis and context matters. And so in a one game situation for Indiana to go on the road, play like they did and show improvement in key areas. That's the thing, you know, I mean, the defense was better. The ability to force turnovers was better. That's why there are positives to take from this game. Um, and, and no, in the future, we need to get to a point where the standard is the standard and, and we're not, you know, happy about a loss, all of those things. But given the context, I think it's okay to feel good about what happened because what Indiana needed to happen today was build some confidence, have something that you can take away heading into that game Thursday against Purdue. And I think Indiana did that for the most part. Ryan, do you want to finish your uh, your rant real quick? I was just going to say, you know, it's it's you know, you got to feel bad for the guys from Indiana because they they show up and they play hard and and they play a team that's allowed to do things that other people aren't. And, and you know, it's not an even playing field. And look, Indiana gets plenty of home cooking in, in Assembly Hall. I get it. I don't think that should happen. I, I think that 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 everybody that every game should be called consistently, and and it's it's just it's unfair to the players when they go out there and put out a great effort uh, that it's tilted to one side. Either way, even if it's tilted to Indiana, I'd be saying that. Yep. All righty. So uh, coming up, I want to talk about the day for Tom Crean because there was some good and some bad, and we'll get into that first. I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. And here's how that works. Download the SeatGeek app, either on your Android device or iPhone. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 65 to 60 loss to the Wisconsin Badgers today, uh, up in Madison. And Andy, I, I want to talk about the day for Tom Crean because uh, it was an interesting one uh, with some good and some bad, uh, and also a warning from the Wisconsin or from the officials for him to stay in the coaching box. I was kind of hoping he would just tell the Wisconsin the officials to shove it and call it both ways. Um, not sure if he said that or not, but. Uh, who knows? Um, but, you know, I, th I thought it was interesting before the game. Crean said when he was talking to Fish that the big, big goal that he had for this game was to bring aggressiveness to the game, bring pressure to the game. And that's not something that we've seen Indiana do effectively. You know, a lot of times Indiana plays fast, but they don't necessarily get the other team doing what they want them to do. And today, defensively, Indiana holds Wisconsin to 1.04 points per possession, forces them into 21.5 turnovers by, you know, doing some different things, you know, doubling some ball handlers, uh, which requires good rotations. And, and at times, Indiana had that. So I thought Indiana really did bring pressure. And even on the offensive end, 
you know, despite struggling, especially at the start of the first and second halves to get into what they wanted to do, you know, Josh Newkirk was able to apply pressure in the half court. And when Indiana was able to get it down to their bigs in a good position, those guys were able to do some nice things too. On the downside for Tom Crean, again, I'll mention it. I thought, you know, some of the decisions with the substituting in the first half really cost Indiana. I just don't think you can play three or four minutes of a Big Ten game on the road against a really good opponent with Freddie McSwain and Josh McRoberts in the lineup. You're not giving you're not putting your team in a position to win because those guys do good things. I mean, Josh McRoberts hustled and forced a turnover today. Freddie McSwain had the huge offensive rebound and two free throws late. Those guys should play. They just can't play together for all the reasons that we've talked about on this show because they don't present an offensive threat. So you're playing three on five. And so it's not a coincidence. And so if those guys are going to be out there, they have to get stops. And they gave up eight points in the the four or five possessions that they were out there. And so I thought in that small you know, those few minutes, Tom Crane kind of coached his team out of the game. And you, I said on the halftime report, if Indiana comes back, you know, loses by five or six points, I'm going to mention this because it really, really hurt you. Uh, and so, you know, again, I thought some good from Tom Crane in terms of having his team prepared in a tough environment, uh, but some bad in terms of some decisions that I thought really cost his team a chance to maybe go steal a win today. Yeah, I thought they did try some different things defensively, and I thought at times they just seemed somewhat chaotic, and I don't know whether it was by design or not, but it seemed to rattle Wisconsin at times, particularly early in the second half. They were aggressively doubling out by half court, doing that in the post, um, and so I thought that was you know a good good change up from them, at least to show them a little bit something different, um, you know, see if you can speed them up and things like that. Uh, I, I thought that part was good. I thought, you know, the aggressiveness from an offensive standpoint, there were a lot of possessions that felt like in the first half when the ball didn't get inside the three-point line. Uh, everybody obviously wants to see Bryant get the ball coming off a huge game. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, certainly aware of that. So give them some credit uh, in, in this as well. But, you know, Bryant touched the ball in the post in the first possession of the game, got double teamed. Uh, I think Robert Johnson eventually like picked up the ball after, after Bryant lost it. But, you know, they really got away from that during some stretches and and then they got back to it in the second half at times and and more specifically with Deron Davis. So saw a little bit of that. That wasn't consistent enough. But yeah, I thought the, the lineup stuff was uh was really interesting at that point. You know, we talked after the last game about how you really just can't put lineups out there that don't have one of Thomas Bryant or Robert Johnson in them. And so that first lineup that played with McRobertson McSwain um, neither Thomas or Robert was was in the game, and that that lineup gets outscored by five points in a, in less than a minute and a half. Um, and he brought Johnson back in for Newkirk after that. Then then that group gets outscored by three. And you know, as I tweeted out at halftime, that that group was you know minus eight, and everybody else was plus five. Uh, that you know everybody else ended up plus three for the game. Besides that, and so there's spots to use those guys, but I don't know how you use them together. And I, I think. Uh, you know, it may have been in the Wisconsin game the first time around that, that we saw that. Maybe it was a Nebraska game. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, regardless of that, it, it just seemed like a strange move to make uh, at that time, given the other personnel constraints that there are uh, for this team. And then, you know, McSwain played some cl clutch minutes, crunch time minutes um, late after. I mean, he hadn't played. He he went out at the 943 mark of or the 903 mark of the first half and he didn't come back in the game until there's six six minutes and 18 seconds left so also kind of a weird time to bring in somebody cold i think part of that was to help to prevent offensive rebounds for wisconsin because the well it's also brian was in foul trouble so he needed another post guy that was the reason yeah but you had davison you had davison morgan already out there at that point so i don't know that that was you know they hadn't played three forwards much uh during the game so i I don't know. It, it seemed like an odd time. I mean, he did have the opportunistic basket, but he also got abused by Nigel Hayes off the dribble. So, I, you know, it, it was kind of a mixed bag. It just seemed odd that if he's not, if you don't feel comfortable putting him in for over 20 minutes of game time in a close game, then you bring him in in the, the stretch when it's, you, you know, truly crunch time, six minutes left in a tight game. It, so it seemed kind of weird. I understand the personnel constraints that lead to that of you only got so many guys healthy at this point. You've got to get some guys rest or attempt to, but uh, it certainly seemed certainly seemed odd, uh, to say the least. Yeah, and you know, you may be thinking, well, Robert Johnson and Thomas Bryant didn't play that great today, so why is it so important that every lineup have at least one of those guys out there? Well, it's because of the threat that they present and the attention that they garner from the defense. And I don't know if this will you know, uh, uh, hold up to the final box scores, but the box scores I'm looking at show Robert, Thomas, and Juwan Morgan as the only Hoosiers with positive plus minuses. And that's kind of the point is... You know, for 37 minutes, Indiana outplayed Wisconsin. It was just, it was that one stretch, an 8-0 run that, you know, you look up. And yes, Ryan, I realize you lose it for a lot of different reasons. But, 
you know, sometimes you can really draw a, a, a line to a particular time in the game that, you know, just like when Indiana got off to the 13-0 the, the run, Wisconsin got off to the 13-0 run at home, that was always going to be hard for Indiana to overcome. And, and this, to me, was similar to that, but it was entirely um, uh, preventable by something that you can control, which is part of the frustration. Yeah, um, I mean, just to, just to kind of take your, again, plus minus, all kinds of caveats around using it for one game. Um, Bryant was plus six, Morgan plus two, Johnson was even in the one that I have, McRoberts minus 13, and McSwain minus 10. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Deron Davis real quick. And I do want to get back to Robert and Thomas because there's more to break down there. And I want to talk to Juan Morgan because I thought he had some really good minutes today. But let's talk Deron because once again, we had another sequence of this game where Indiana goes down to Deron Davis in the second half and he pretty much owns a couple of minutes of a game. And we're all tweeting more Deron Davis, please more Deron Davis. And that stretch where he had those two buckets was huge. And if it weren't for how great Josh Newkirk played and me wanting to mention him off the top of the show, that was going to be my banner moment because every single thing that Deron Davis does is really the best sign for this program for the future because he's the guy to build around, you know, one of the main guys to build around going forward. And, you know, in the second half, Indiana had cut it to 35-33. Wisconsin goes on a quick 4-0 run, and then Indiana decides to dump it down to double D. And he scores on two straight possessions. He's patient. You know, he, he gets the ball up on the rim. It goes in. He, you know, ended up hitting two big clutch free throws again. It was great to see. And yet Indiana kind of went away from it after that. And, and you know, I, I, I mean, I think Duran, and look at the numbers here, he only took two shots. So those were the only two shots he took, had four free throws. I would love to see him get more minutes and get more touches. And I understand the limitations with he and Thomas Bryant playing together. But I especially felt on a day like today, he needed to get more touches on the block. Uh, Ryan, I know you were impressed with Duran. Uh, your thoughts on uh, maybe why we couldn't get him the ball more? Well, I think that Wisconsin did a really good job of 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 working defensively to prevent that. Um, I still think that they should have tried to force it in a little bit. Uh, but then, then again, when they did try and force it in, you got you know they 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 had steals off of it and you got turnovers. And so I think that. Yeah, this team really needs to work on that, uh, and we've we've complained about that for a few years now. That they just need to be better at feeding the post, and and uh, I think when Davis is in there, uh, he's got to be the centerpiece of what you're doing offensively, um, because he's so competent down there. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't throw passes away when guys double team. Um, a lot of times, if he's not set perfectly, he'll kick it out and repost. And and you know the fact that he's a freshman and knows to do that, and and instinctively knows to do that, is really impressive. Uh, but, you know, of course, he does have his limitations defensively. I think that uh, he doesn't move his feet as quickly as he probably will by uh, after a full year in the in the strength and conditioning program and things like that. Uh, so, you know, you'll, you'll have to see what he develops into. Certainly watching him play, um, seeing, you know, the positives out of a guy like Devontae Green and Curtis Jones gives you a lot of hope for the future because those guys are going to be really good. They're not there yet, but they're going to be really good. And so when you when you see what Davis can do already and and you just think about projecting him to the future and what he can do, you, you get excited. And and in a game where it was disappointing to lose, obviously at Wisconsin, who's been a thorn in Indiana's side for years now, uh, it's, it, it, it's, you know, nice to look at a positive, like the way Deron Davis played and, and hopefully they do get him some more minutes, especially if, if Blackman is still out and, and go to more of a, a front court heavy lineup. I think you've got to, you've got to keep him in more and get him some more touches. Andy? Well, I, I did think today would have been, you know, we talked about some of the, the matchup problems defensively that have been there in some of these other games. I did think today, if, if ever there was a time that you probably could get away with it, it was today because they were really, using Bryant to play Hayes typically anyway, or, or Vito Brown. Um, certainly having Davis try to guard, you know, Hap is a question mark, but you could have gone, you know, really big because Morgan guarded Hap quite a bit and, and, you know, let, uh, let Davis be the guy to guard Vito Brown. So I did think from a matchup standpoint today, that shouldn't have been uh, the deterrent to playing those guys together. Um, it, in, in the same way that, you know, we could easily point out things against Michigan and, and even Penn State to a certain extent where, yeah, I'm not sure how that, that matchup worked. Clearly, IU was comfortable with, you know, backing off of Hayes and letting Bryant try to guard him. So uh, it seemed like there was some opportunity uh, to do that today. 
Yep. All right. Let's talk about Robert and Thomas, because, you know, again, you go into this game, you say those two guys are only going to get you 22 points, which is, you know, less combined than each guy scored against Penn State. And you're not thinking Indiana has much of a chance. You know, they were a combined 10 of 22 from the field. Robert was five of 15. Thomas was five of seven, but four of five in the first half. And I thought, you know, despite Wisconsin really trying to take him out of the game in the first half, I thought he did a nice job of finding ways to score. You know, I think he had one post move. He hit a three. He hit a long two. Uh, another one was uh, um, just, you know, sprinting on kind of a secondary fast break and getting a bucket. So he found different ways to get involved. And he never quite seemed to get in the flow in the second half. Only took those two shots. Uh, the other shot was kind of a wild three-pointer, if I recall correctly. Um, and not, you know, certainly not the monster on the glass that we saw late in that Penn State game. Um, I did think his defense at times on Nigel Hayes was effective. He was playing hard uh, and, you know, dove for that nice loose ball, which was good to see. But, but I think, again, you know, you lose by five with those two guys struggling offensively. And I thought Robert... You know, he did have six assists, and I thought some of the buckets he made, the timing of them was really important. But also, I thought his decision uh, to shoot, what was the score at that time? He took a quick three. Uh, it was 55-50. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. calling for the ball on the wing. Yep, I know exactly. Yeah, and, and Clark Kellogg said he liked it. I'm sorry. I hated that shot. With Indiana down five, you've got Brian and Davis on the floor together at that point. You have got to go down low to those guys. I did not like that shot at all. So, you know, we need Robert to be aggressive and look for a shot. There's no question. I thought that was a poor time to do it. And there were just several times today where he was kind of loose with the handle. Let me jump in on that shot real quick. Here's the problem with it for me is that there was a guy closing out really hard to him. And and so it was it wound up being you know, not closely contested, but a contested shot. If he ball fakes there, he's got a wide open lane to the hoop. And, and, and so Robert just has to be more aware of what's going on around him. And, and I felt like that was, Oh good. I've got a good look and I'm going to take it no matter what, you know, you've got to have, you know, your head on a swivel and, 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 and more awareness than that. And, and there was a, again, there was a free two points in front of him and he opted to take the contested three. That's a problem. And and he's yeah. got to get better at that. Yeah. Andy, talk about Robert and then we'll go to Thomas next. It, yeah. I just thought there were times de decision-making wise, it, some of the shots he actually, well, I guess I'm trying to make two different points. There was another play toward the end of the game. Um, he came off a curl and really had Hayes on, on his back, but he drove right into half and into a, a block shot that ended in a, uh, what was essentially a turnover at that point. That was the one where Hap, you know, called timeout, falling out of bounds. Um, and, uh, you know, but he drove right into him when, like, you either got to pull up and shoot a floater. There was another time in the first half where he had a floater that he could have taken and uh, having gotten a shot rejected uh, a little bit before that, then he, um, you know, then he overpassed and, and IU didn't score at all. So I thought they were definitely decision-making things. And some of the shots that he made, I felt like were harder than some of the ones that he missed. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, a couple of those really came at, at key times for uh, for IU. So there were definitely big shots there. But uh, I, I do still think you see him feeling the pressure of the role he has to play in the offense with, with the guys that are out now. Uh, and so while I like the shot in terms of, hey, I want the ball, I want to go, uh, you know, get a shot in that scenario you guys just discussed, there were absolutely... Um, probably better options at that point. And he ended up rushing the shot because the guy's closing at him uh, from the angle that he was. So, um, you know, a, a mixed bag for him, I think still trying to figure out how to how to succeed in the in the role that he's in right now. And, and let's talk about Thomas, who and again, you know, I thought he was we saw in the first half, you know, there was one play where, you know, he yelled at Robert Johnson, <laughs> you know, for not throwing in the ball when he, when he, you know, had the guy on his back. And so, you know, we are starting to see some more assertiveness from Thomas, but again, I felt like he needed to find a way to get more involved in the second half. And that hurt Indiana that he wasn't able to Ryan. Do you think that's a case of Thomas not being assertive enough, Indiana not doing enough to get him the ball? Or is that just the way that Wisconsin was defending? I, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the way Wisconsin was defending. You saw him really struggle in the first game against Wisconsin and you saw him struggle last year against Wisconsin too. Uh, I think that they're very good at finding guys who have enough size to play inside out uh, like, you know, half, Brown, Hayes, I mean, guys guys who are big enough to body up someone like Thomas, but also be able to move out and guard other people. And I feel like uh, they just, 
they were crowding him a lot. And, and I felt like there just wasn't an easy path to getting him the ball a lot. And credit Wisconsin. They're a very good defensive team. Uh, they've always been a very good defensive team. I think the only hole in their game this year really is free throw shooting, and they did pretty well today uh, late. Um, so I, yeah, I just think that it was, it was, it's always a tough game when you're facing their size and, and, you know, Bryant took his opportunities when he had them, but, uh, you know, look also you've got to, uh, make your opportunities w- when you can. And, and so, you know, you saw that Thomas also, you know, they, they baited him into four turnovers, um, you know, with doubling and, and, and overplaying on him and things like that. And, and, you know, we know he's been loose with the ball at times, so credit to them for for forcing those uh but again i i think that you know it, it's t- it's a tough matchup against wisconsin it always is and so you know you have a guy who goes five of seven and you know was efficient had six rebounds and two steals and you know sadly it's only 11 points and six rebounds but you know that's not a horrible game against wisconsin especially considering the team only scored 60 points uh and was contained in that way so you can't really get too down about his performance i mean i thought he'd go for a double double and was of course wrong because i've been wrong on all my predictions this year but uh, the problem is indiana's so limited he's basically got to play at an all yeah. level every night and, I, and I agree and i and i agree and i think that that it, it, he can't have this kind of performance against purdue and expect to win yep andy I thought, just to, to build on that a little bit, I thought where they really struggled was when IU would get him the ball on the on the perimeter and ask him to do something off the dribble against Hap, which I think is asking an awful lot given the way that Hap can move his feet defensively. Uh, and so I think that put him that probably led to to at least half of the turnovers that I can that I can recall um, going at it that way. And the other thing, I mean, you just continue to see Hap is um, while it's probably technically fouling. Um, he does a really good job of rooting guys out with his lower body. He doesn't use his arms. He doesn't use his hands. And even one of the shots that, that Bryant took, and maybe it was Davis, you could see him still just kind of moving his hips into him, but he's not doing things in such an obvious way where you're going to get foul calls. And um, so, you know, again, I, I hate to give too much credit for that, but he does a really good job of that. And I think that's something that, that IU has kind of struggled with is they are trying to force guys out on the, on the perimeter or force guys out of the post when they're trying to get position. Yeah. And, you know, and as the guys in our chat are mentioning, you know, life is obviously a lot harder for Robert and for Thomas with OG out with James Blackman Jr. out. And that is important context to keep in mind, you know, and and Robert is being asked, as we've talked about, to kind of play a guard role that he hasn't really played and that he doesn't seem fully comfortable with. And so, you know, we certainly understand that and, and, you know, and try to have some some compassion, I guess, for when these guys maybe don't play up to the level that we all expect them to. But we're also just dealing with the reality that those two guys basically have to play like all Big Ten players every night out for Indiana to win, given their limitations uh, from a roster perspective and given how poor the defense usually is. Now, today the defense was better, and so Indiana was able to compensate, and Josh Newkirk was better than he usually is. Um, But on a night-in, night-out basis, Indiana's going to need more from Robert and Thomas, and they certainly are going to need more against Purdue if Indiana is going to win that game. Uh, we will talk about that game a little bit as we move forward. Uh, I do have a couple points to make about Juwan and Devante. We'll get to them uh, here in just a second. That's coming up on the assembly call. Uh, first, I, I do uh, want to have a final note for you uh, about our fundraising drive, which we started last week, went for about eight days. Our goal was to raise $2,613 to help carry us through the rest of this season and the off season. And we actually did that within the first 24 hours. And we ended up at just a smidge over $4,000 raised. Uh, and so I just want to take this final opportunity to say thank you. We really appreciate the support of all of you. Uh, it helps us out so much to be able to bring you the coverage of IU basketball that we do, uh, to expand it like we have this season. Um, so thank you. Uh, really, we, we really, really appreciate it. Um, so we won't be talking about it anymore on these shows. Uh, we do keep a donate page up. So if you would like to donate or support the show at any time, um, all we ask uh, anytime is just to contribute what you believe our content is worth. You can submit a one-time donation or set up a recurring donation to become an ongoing sponsor uh, and to view all of the options that are available, go to assemblycall.com slash donate. Again, those options at assemblycall.com slash donate. And thank you uh, very, very much. We appreciate it. All righty. Hey, you are. Oh. Hey, one, one, one quick thing, uh, just to make this day just a little bit worse for everybody. I'm watching the uh, Iowa Nebraska game on the Big Ten Network and they uh, cut to Big Ten tournament coverage and they showed uh, the replay of the Luke Recker shot to beat IU in the Big Ten tournament. So happy Sunday, everybody. Everything is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you... Uh, why they don't neglected you just... to show the clock not run for like a, a brief period of time. Apparently operated by the same people who were operating the clock at the Kohl Center in the first half. 
why did why don't they just give us a paper cut pour some lemon juice on it throw some salt in there uh see what the happens day, the day is young ryan the day is young yes it is all righty well, you are listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips we are breaking down uh indiana's less disappointing than expected 65 to 60 loss to the wisconsin badgers um andy let's talk real quick about juan morgan who, uh, you know, he still doesn't look right. You know, he still kind of looks like an old man getting up and down the court. You know, you saw him fall down once and he's grabbing his foot, which scared the crap out of me, but he seemed okay because he stayed in there. You know, only three points. He's really, he hasn't been an offensive threat really since that Rutgers game when he was superb offensively. Did get a couple of rebounds. I thought his defense on Hap at times uh, was really effective and at least making Hap you know, work at times, even not letting him get the ball. Now, Hap still scored 20 points on 8 of 10 shooting, so it's not like Indiana stopped him. Uh, but I thought defensively, Juwan showed some really good things, and his ability to rotate uh, and, and, and be a guy who could double and then move back and, and get to a man was impressive because he's not moving very well. You know, he still looks about a quarter step slow, but I thought he played good defensively because of awareness, because of positioning, and just flat-out grit. And I thought in some ways, Indiana kind of took their cues from Juwan defensively. And so not a game that jumps out at you on the stat sheet, but I thought he was a real leader for Indiana today in terms of what they wanted to do defensively. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were kind of talking through that, I thought his play was kind of emblematic of what IU did defensively today. They really uh, made a lot of effort. There was certainly a stretch in the, you know, late second or late first half where IU was really out scrapping uh, Wisconsin for loose balls. And and I think he was, uh, you know, leading the charge in that way. And and as you said, I thought he did a really good job on Hap at times. Uh, again, feels weird to, you know, laud somebody for great defense on a guy that scored 20 points. But uh, I, I did think he did a nice job of being able to kind of root him out uh, a little bit. And while he wasn't able to challenge the shots from a height perspective, I thought he did a lot uh, of his work based on positioning there uh, against him. And, um, so yeah, I thought it was it was a good game from him. Uh, I don't think the the stat sheet quite showed. You know, when I looked at it now, I, I felt like at multiple times I'm like he's playing really well, and it's one of those where you look at the stat sheet, it doesn't necessarily back that up in terms of uh, in terms of raw numbers. But I thought he really gave great effort, and you know he's fighting through a lot. And I thought um, that kind of picked everybody else because this team fought back in a, in a similar way when they got down 12 in the first half. Ryan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought Jawan's effort was there today, and, and he looked more like Jawan Morgan uh, than we've seen in the last couple of weeks coming off of that foot injury. Uh, but one thing I will say is he's got to find an offensive rhythm. I mean, he's got to be a threat on the floor offensively like he has been in the past. I mean, he's got to be a guy who can get you 10 points. I mean, roughly around there. Uh, he's, just not, with, he's not making his jumpers this year. Especially you know? with OG gone. I mean, yeah. which means he's got to work inside more, which means he's got to get to the hoop. And, and you know, he's not shooting three-pointers. He looks very uncomfortable when he shoots three-pointers right now. And that may be a residual, in, you know, foot injury thing. Um, you know, just not getting the lift on it and not being settled on his feet when he's shooting. Get him with uh, Tim Buckley. Get him yeah, with Tim I Buckley. Mean, you know, I'm sure they're working with him, but it's, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes a stretch. I mean, look at Newkirk. He's night and day from six weeks ago with his shot. So, um, but I will say that Juwan needs to, needs to find his way into the paint more. And, and, you know, if he's not going to be able to hit a jumper, he, you know, he grabbed two offensive rebounds today. He needs to grab rebounds. He needs to be in the mix and he needs to put shots back or at least get to the free throw line and make his shots. So, uh, he's got to be able to add something more offensively, but I thought this was a step in the right direction. As I said, this game, it's disappointing to lose. Always, you fall below 500 in conference, but you've got to find things to build on. And and for Morgan, I thought the effort was right. Uh, in in we we praised Newkirk's effort for for two games, and all of a sudden he's had two games in a row right after that where he's you know the primary you know a, a primary option offensively. So hopefully, Jawan can can sort of get back into a rhythm on that end of the floor. Let's talk about the freshman guards. Devontae Green had a double-double in the Penn State game, and then curiously, I thought, did not start today. Curtis Jones was the surprise starter for Indiana, uh, which on the bright side hopefully suggests that his uh, his ankle injury is better, and I think his ability to go out and get five rebounds you know, and, and kind of be scrapping in there a little bit suggests that it is. Uh, he was one for five. You know, I, I thought the three that he made was a really important one at the time. Uh, because Indiana was down 22 to 15. That's after Wisconsin had built their lead in the first half and Indiana was coming back. And so the three by Curtis Jones uh, made it 22 to 18. He was part of that group that that led that comeback in the first half. So he did uh, some okay things when he was in there. 
you know, still just again, a little bit surprised that Devontae Green did not play more, only played 13 minutes, especially in a game where Tom Crean wanted to pressure uh, the ball more because he's one of Indiana's better uh, pressure defenders. Uh, but I thought, you know, there was one play in particular that I loved from Devontae. And that was in the first half. You know, he and Thomas Bryant were working together over on the left side. And we've seen a lot from Indiana's guards. You know, if they can't make a quick post-entry pass, they lose patience with the process. You know, we'll try and reverse it real quickly or just kind of give up. And a lot of times, you know, Indiana's big men know that's going to happen and don't necessarily repost or continue working to do it. Uh, Thomas in particular, Deron Davis will a little bit more. But I thought on that particular possession, Devontae and Thomas really worked angles well together to get Thomas the ball. You know, Devontae moved, was patient, didn't give up on it. Thomas Bryant, you know, did the same thing. And that was really nice to see. And so I think one of the things Devontae Green is showing over the course of this season is he's already one of the best passers on Indiana. And I'm not just talking about kind of the fancy ones on breaks or or any of that, but even just as a post feeder, uh, he's better than you see a lot of freshman guards be. So, you know, not sure if there were other reasons. Maybe there's something I'm missing for why he didn't play more. Uh, but I thought he did a couple of nice things when he was in there. And I mean, look, you know, that, that's another thing for Indiana to win these games without Blackman. You got to get something from your freshman guards. And, you know, today, in terms of what Indiana got from the two of them, uh, it was three points, three assists, seven boards, you know, one of six shooting. You know, you get a couple more buckets from those guys and maybe this game is different. And yes, that's a tough ask at Wisconsin. But all those things kind of had to go in Indiana's favor to get the win today. And that they didn't is part of the reason why Indiana lost by five. Um, Ryan, do you see any, anything from those guys today that jumped out at you? You know, I thought it was an uh, uneven performance. Um, you know, Devonte, uh, to his credit, he may have just been exhausted. You know, I mean, after that Penn State game, that's going to take you at, at that age. It's going to take you a while to recover from playing that much. Um, Newkirk was okay. Yeah, he was, but he's also older and he's kind of a grown man. Let's remember. Uh, but let's. Uh, we got you got to go easy on the freshman. I mean, it's it, it was a it was an uneven performance. I didn't think they played that great, but at the same time, you know, between them, they only turned the ball over once. The freshman guards, uh, they handled the ball a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, to when they were out on the floor, uh, I thought Curtis Jones uh, showed some good stuff. I thought he rebounded really well, um, and I thought he played pretty solid defense. His shots, he's still got to work on his shot. I, I think he's. He has two week of base when he takes his jump on his three pointer. Uh, so again, Tim Buckley, get to work, buddy. What are we paying you for? Um, so, uh, but no, I, I look. It, it was an up and down, uh, up and down day, and uh, you're going to have those this in Big Ten season with those freshmen. Uh, so I, I, I think that it, it was it was to be expected. Tough environment on the road, and those guys playing. Uh, you know, it, it was as ex as expected, and it was a game where guys like Newkirk and Johnson need to step up and make up for those guys. So, hopefully, they come out on fire against Purdue, and uh, we'll be we'll be singing a different tune after that game. Yeah, only thing I had, you know, Curtis Jones. I think the the numbers, at least from the number of shots and and the threes, uh, don't look great. But I think three of his came at the end of shot clocks, where he was literally appeared to be the only guy on the court aware that the shot clock was about to run out. So, oh, um, it, it looks a little bit, I think, a little bit better or a little bit worse than it probably really was for him. Um, I thought he was really aggressive rebounding in the first half and, and did a nice job there. But um, yeah, they've just, at this point, the margin of, of error is so thin with the personnel that's there that you just can't have as many guys not really contribute offensively as, as you had tonight. Yep. All right. And we're coming up on the assembly call. We're going to do a quick look ahead to IU Purdue coming up this week. And then we will deliver our final thoughts during last call, which is brought to you as always by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington. As we've been telling you about, Yogi's is offering a food discount to assembly call listeners during IU games, both home and road. Just head to Yogi's during any IU game and tell them the guys from the assembly call sent you and you will get 10% off your food. Our very own Michael Dugan actually did this for Indiana's last game. Uh, said it worked out well. Now, the, the only caveat is it has to be during the game. Hey, any game Dugan, will work. Get to work, Dugan. <laughs> Why are you eating at Yogi's during games? Get to work, man. <laughs> and then uh, and then stick around after, have a drink, and catch the assembly call live right there at the bar because they play the assembly call live right there at Yogi's. Uh, again, that's 10% off your food at Yogi's during IU games. Just tell them the assembly call sent you. 
All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are wrapping up here on a Sunday afternoon edition as Indiana Falls 65-60 to the Wisconsin Badgers. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, Andy, let's do a quick look ahead to the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, I know for me, heading into today's game, I just wanted to see something positive Indiana can build on heading into that game. I think we saw some of that. But as Ryan said, this game really does become close to a must win because Indiana needs another good win for its resume. It's a home game. You don't want to drop to five and seven, you know, especially with what you have coming down the stretch with four out of the last five being on the road. So this is one Indiana really needs to get, but it will be far from easy because this Purdue team is playing pretty darn well. So what awaits the Hoosiers on Thursday? Yeah, they're, they're coming off a big win at Maryland yesterday, a game they got down and, and really fought back to steal one on the road. So uh, you look at the numbers from an offensive standpoint, they're currently second in league play and offensive efficiency, not necessarily something I think a lot of people would associate with uh, with Purdue. They're doing that by taking almost 40% of their shots in three-point range and hitting almost 44% of their threes. So uh, they do a good job there, uh, do a good job of, uh, of making free throws when they get to the line. So you know those are really the big things to watch for IU. Can they you know force them into an off-shooting night? Uh, you know, what can they really do to be disruptive offensively? Uh, on the other end of the floor, Purdue is uh, last in the Big Ten in forcing turnovers. So hopefully that bodes well uh, for IU, but they're also first on the defensive glass. So, uh, you know, if IU wants to try to get second chance points uh, that have been a big part of things, although I, I'd say a little bit less so uh, since OG went down, uh, will certainly be a challenge to uh, to be able to do that. And then, um, you know, just from a, a strictly from a personnel standpoint, how does IU match up with Haas and Swanigan? Uh, who really draws the assignment with trying to slow down Swanigan, keep him off the glass, becomes a, a pretty big, uh, pretty big question mark. And you know, Purdue's got five guys averaging in double figures coming into the game, so not necessarily one guy that you've got to stop. They've got a lot of guys playing well. Uh, outside of the the bigger names, it's really uh, Carson Edwards, a freshman guard. There, uh, can IU stop dribble penetration from him? He's uh, he's been pretty tough and actually made the uh, free throws. And ended up winning the game yesterday. So Purdue not afraid to give him the ball in a big spot, and uh, IU really has to find a way to uh, slow him down. I just got a tweet from someone named Dylan. It says, did anyone else see Hap grabbing Paul Davis when he got that critical steal and breakaway? Dylan's Twitter avatar is a picture of Willy Wonka. My only response to that is that yes, but with the pure imagination that the uh, Cole Center officials have, it wasn't called a foul. Oh, come not on. A, not a surprise. You could you could have done something. Dude, any anytime you can pay homage to the great Gene Wilder and Willie Wilder, I'm, 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 I'm going to do you. it. Ninety nine percent of the time, I'll I'll jump on with you with a Gene Wilder reference. But that one, uh, you you know, forced. all right, fine. It was it was well executed. It was well executed. Thank you. But Thank yes, you. there was there was a lot of grab and pull there, um, and, and there was a lot of that going on pretty much all day. But you know, we move on to Purdue. That's right. We do move on. And we move on now to last call. Some final thoughts on today's uh, IU game. Ryan, lead us off. Yogi's last call. Yeah, I, look, it, it again, it's a game you can find positives in and build from. It feels a lot to me like that Maryland loss where, yeah, they had their opportunities to win the game, but it was on the road against a really good team. And and they were battled and they were in the game and they fought. And and if you can take the positives from this game and implement them into the next game and clean up the bad, it that's the kind of thing that can get you to get on a bit of a run. And and as we said, these last eight games, including today, there are no breaks for Indiana and they need a run. Uh they desperately need a run. I mean, if you want to get into that NCAA tournament, you're going to have to step up and win some games. And we know this team is shorthanded. You feel bad for these kids. They're shorthanded. They don't have guys they were planning on having. Um, but at some point, that's got to stop being an excuse. And it's got to be because they're, they're, they're not coming back. You know, OG Ananobi and Colin Hartman aren't coming back. And and hopefully you get James Blackwood Jr. back soon. But right now, this is your team. And, and it reminds me of the Hoosiers thing. This, my team is on the floor. I mean, th these are the guys you got. And, and these are the guys you're going to have to go to war with. And these are the guys you're going to have to battle with. And there's no excuses anymore. Um, and, and that goes to, to Coach Crean. That goes to the players, everybody. This is your team. And, and you need to utilize everything at your disposal to win games if you want to be in that NCAA tournament, if you want to be a factor. And this team certainly has the talent to make an impact on that tournament. Uh, they just have to figure out a way to get there and, and, if, and a way to round into shape. Yep. Andy, last call. Uh, you know, as we've been kind of talking about trying to take it one game at a time and figure out how they turn this around. I mean, the next game is always the biggest one. And, and I think that's certainly holds true here uh, with Purdue coming to town. I think you'll see 
certainly assembly hall be be a factor uh at least i i hope so i think i is going to need whatever they can get at this point regardless of who is available not available from a personnel standpoint uh purdue has been uh, really tough really throughout the big 10 lost some games that are uh, are a little bit surprising in terms of losing at iowa losing at nebraska but they've certainly gotten up for the big games, went into East Lansing and played well, uh, one at Maryland. So, uh, you know, IU needs to, to show them a, a different level of environment. And as you look at IU's schedule, these next two games are at home and then four of the last five are on the road. So you got to make some hay here, and that starts on Thursday against Purdue. And so hopefully IU can uh, build on what the things that they did well uh, in this game. And, and I think that's what I'll try to take forward of not necessarily the disappointment of not being able to get over the hump, but you know the fact that they made progress, they made strides. There's still some defensive pride left to be had uh, on the team, and I think we need to see a whole lot more of that uh, against a, a really tough team on Thursday at Assembly Hall. And, and hopefully – you know, a little bit, you know, maybe an extra day in between games gives them a little bit of extra time to rest because certainly uh, I think you saw Penn State come out pretty flat uh, yesterday after having played so many minutes the other night. Uh, fatigue certainly setting in with the, a shortened bench and uh, a, a limited number of healthy players. So hopefully they can get a little rest and be ready to go on Thursday in a big one. Yeah, and to Indiana's credit, you know, the Hoosiers didn't come out flat. They battled, they played hard, and and they came up short. And again, that's very disappointing. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, in the grand scheme of things, going up into Wisconsin and really feeling like you barely have a chance, you know, being kind of unable even to make a logical or rational case for why Indiana is going to win the game. That's unacceptable. And Indiana basketball shouldn't be in that position, you know, unless you have maybe four or five guys get hurt. And Indiana hasn't had that. There's still the talent on this team to go out and play like Indiana did today. I mean, there's absolutely no shame in losing by five to Wisconsin. It's the expectations heading into the game that I think have everybody disappointed. But I think you can and take lots of positives because of the context. And again, when you're inside of a season looking at individual games, that's what you have to do. We can spend the offseason talking about is the overall trajectory of the program a good one. But right now, you know, we're inside the season. And I think what we saw against Wisconsin, to me, bodes well for what we may see Thursday against Purdue. Now, we got to go out there and we got to play. And they are certainly good enough to come into Simon Scott Assembly Hall and beat us if we're not on top of our game. Um, but I think we saw some signs today that this Indiana team uh, is not done playing this season and may have a last gasp here as we go down the stretch. And Ryan, as you mentioned, the talent is there for this team to do something. And so, you know, I hope that the crowd is loud and proud on Thursday night and that we give Purdue uh, the kind of environment that Simon Scott Assembly Hall is famous for, because that can be the difference in a game like that. And that can help buoy this team uh, to another great performance and, and a big win. It's a home win, but it would still be a resume boosting win for Indiana. Uh, and it gets you to six and six and gives you a chance heading down the stretch, you know, to finish at 500 or maybe get to 10 wins still in big 10 play. And that's what Indiana needs to do as it finishes out uh, its season. So a good effort from Indiana today, uh, some things to build on, certainly some disappointments. Uh, but overall, I think there's plenty to feel good about if you choose to feel good about it. And now we'll see what Indiana does on Thursday night against the Boilermakers. That game, I believe, is a six o'clock tip or seven o'clock Eastern tip on ESPN2 against the Boilermakers. Let's be their fans. Let's be loud. Let's be proud. And let's uh, let's do what we can uh, to help these Hoosiers get a win because it'll certainly be a big one. And hopefully the Hoosiers bring it too and we can send the Boilermakers home uh, unhappy yet again. All righty. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We will join you on Thursday night after IU Purdue. Uh, enjoy uh, whatever you end up doing tonight. Are there any sports on TV? I can't think of anything. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe watch a film of this game again. Then. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you after IU Purdue. See you, everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.